1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Lou. Join me on the podcast this week, our go-to man. Everyone knows him,
0: Big V. How you doing, man? I'm all right, man. I'm trying to enjoy these last few days of somewhat warm weather.
2: Mm.
0: I'm playing tennis later today. I don't know if it'll be the last time I play tennis. In okay. We'll see, man. We'll see. But it's it, dark times ahead. <laughs>
1: what's what's your tennis game like? Are you a uh, you a Milos Raonic? You just like only serve,
0: and that's and then you can't do anything else. So what do you do? What are you doing? No, I'm kind of the opposite, man. My serve sucks. Oh, okay, and okay, all right. It's like, yeah, I, I I have like the rare good day, but mostly it's just um my ground strokes. I think my forehand is pretty decent. My backhand is like okay, um, right. but mainly it's my I just run around and get to everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> um, I don't know enough about tennis to make any more comparisons there. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, I know. I mean, you're a pretty good ping pong player. So, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, that's transferable. That's, trans- that's transferable. Yeah, yeah. All the guys yeah. I knew that played tennis, you know, could play a little bit of ping pong too. Shout out, yeah. Joe- shout out Joe Wolf on me and him used to go at it. Like we used to do it in the office. Um sure. All right. So Raptors, look, there's not that much going on. I'm going to be completely honest with you, but there are rumors. And I kind of want to get to some of these rumors um, because I think, honestly, a lot of them have just come up because it is that time in the year where, you know, you get some free agency reports. Uh, I, I, by the way, I'm really ex- enjoying how much the fake news economy has expanded. You know what I mean? I'm not <laughs> trying to hate on people necessarily, but I'm just like, if you're not reputable and you just come up with some of these sources, people are so desperate right now, like, they're going to run with everything. Yeah. So, shout out Legion Hoops, man. I, Legion, Legion
2: Hoops?
0: I'm like, why <laughs> are people running with this? <laughs> no.
1: No, but the thing is, like, okay, so it's, like, one big organization, but then they got individual people now, too. And I, I don't know, man, maybe they do have legitimate sources. I don't, you know what I mean? That's more sources than I have, but, like, yeah, uh, I just never heard of these guys before. So we'll see if they're right or not. But so I want to get to some of these uh, free agency um, targets that are apparently the Raptors may or may not be in for, you know, there's some trade rumors for other players. Um, so we'll get to that. And then I think that will kind of give us a good jumping off point to sort of looking at the Raptors sort of roster contribution uh, construction and sort of seeing how the Raptors are built per position going forward. Right. So we can look at the future of all five positions and sort of, where they stand Um, but let's get let's get back to the biggest one I think the most tangible one and again I'm I'm really couching that statement tangible because uh, this is not from like Woj or Shams or Chris Haynes or Mark Stein or any of these guys Uh, but Victor Oladipo apparently uh, is in trade rumors now he's been in trade rumors for a couple of years now I feel like ever since he got injured um, ever since the Pacers offered him some uh, money and he turned it down it seems like he wants more he's on instagram talking to, with uh, fat joe remember fat joe of course <laughs> of course <laughs> i've never seen anyone live lean off back. of uh, yo honestly lean fat joe is living off lean back like the 08 celtics are living off that one year <laughs> like yo why do i always have to hear about lean back yeah that was a great song man but like i listened to that when i was in high like middle school yeah
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. So, um, anyway, Victor Aldipo's out there uh, talking to Fat Joe, talking about how he wants to win, man. he was, It's all about championships, not about money. Um, and then there's some rumors. You know, again, these are not necessarily uh, very credible rumors, but linking Victor Oladipo to Toronto. Um, first off, let's, we can start here, okay? How much do you think injuries have hurt Victor Oladipo's career? And sort of where do you think he's going to be at? Because I don't think he's even been fully healthy since he uh, screwed up his uh, right quad um, in his right knee.
0: First off, this is the most prepared pod we've ever done together. I saw the notes. When there's there's nothing else really going on, I really kind of dig in. I can't just be like, well, I never did this before. (laughs) Uh. Uh, But yeah, Depot, like he's he's 28 right now. Um, Obviously the last two seasons, you know, combined, he's played like 50 games, right? And so Hmm. um, you wonder how much that's going to, impact him because he's obviously pretty close to 30 now so I I, I personally am concerned uh, with his long-term outlook and so well at least current, concerned enough to not be serious about pursuing a trade for him right now I think the other thing too that I think about going into 2021 um is if you're looking for, for flexibility you trade for him now his cap hold would be 31.5 million because his salary is 21, right? So you, you got to take uh, 150% of that as the cap hold. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be a big issue uh, in terms of the Raptors flexibility for 2021. So I think that's another thing that dissuades it. And so potentially, you know, I know I, I saw you throw out, you know, norm and a first rounder, maybe there's another piece that you throw in to make it fit. Uh, Fred in sort of a sign and trade would be the other option because realistically, it doesn't make sense to have Kyle and Fred and Depot, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing that you would consider if you were to look at a deal for him. But yeah, personally, I, I, don't, I don't see the Raptors pursuing him. Um, I don't think there's enough there to believe he elevates the ceiling, mm-hmm. at least to the point where uh, you know, does he elevate the ceiling? And is he worth sort of taking away your flexibility for 2021? And so for both those reasons, I wouldn't really consider him.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, we touched on a lot of things there. I mean, there's a lot of problems with this deal. First off, you know, how much are you giving up on this, right? Because again, maybe we can get to that at the end of this because we can kind of talk about his game and sort of his injuries and stuff like that. But um I actually remember watching the injury because it happened against the Raptors. Like Pascal yeah. was, was guarding him. In transition, um and yeah he's kind of like that Jalen Brown player. yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know how Jalen Brown sustained throughout the entire playoffs because he took a couple of big hits, yeah uh, not not just um in that in the Raptors series, but also in the heat series, um but yeah, I mean he his knee just gave out, and it was bad because like a about a month before that injury happened that happened in January in that December of that year 2018, uh he had a right knee injury, he missed eleven games. And it just looked like he was rushing back, you know, like it seemed like he was trying to, you know, I don't know, man, earn his money, trying to keep his team competitive, everything like that. But I just feel bad for him. And the thing is, he hasn't been right really ever since because he returned, you know, uh, earlier this year, January 29th. But, you know, he wasn't himself. He was playing limited minutes. He couldn't really go hard. And then even when the NBA season started coming back up, there were sort of rumors of like, is he going to actually play or is he going to sit out the restart? to rehab his knee now maybe he was trying to set up the restart to sort of secure a trade or whatever who knows but I also just truly believe he wasn't that fully healthy um and so you know I, I think man I, for a guy like that so we can talk about his game really he's really athletic right and he's he's like a super athlete like for a guy who's not that big maybe 6'3 this guy's regularly dunking on people in transition really you know like elevating you know his he's blocking people at the rim like he's just a hyper athlete and so if you're going to talk about a serious knee injury that's going to knock him out like almost two years to a guy who's predicated on athleticism then that concerns me right there and then really the other question I had with Oladipo was like how good is Oladipo really because if you look at it the 17-18 season the first year he got to Indiana when he got traded for Paul George a really fantastic player I mean I I believe he made the all-NBA team uh, but you know he looked like he was making a, a huge step up because honestly, before that, when he was in Orlando, when he was in OKC, he wasn't actually that special of a player, um, despite the fact he was picked number two overall in a, in a, in a bit of a weak draft. Um, I, I'll just pose that to you. Like, how good is Oladipo really um, when you kind of look at his career? Because are we looking at an all-star guy? Are we looking at an all-NBA guy? Or are we just looking at maybe even a guy who's even below that?
0: I'd say he's still an all-star guy. Okay, I I think, you know, if he's sorted out his injury situation, then uh, I'm not too concerned uh, about, you know, his ability to get to the rim. I think he's still got enough shiftiness and athleticism to, you know, make that a big part of his game. I really like his mid-range game. I think that's something, again... You know, when people recognize that athleticism and say, okay, we're going to pack the paint a bit more, that ability to pull up, I think he's, he's really got it from the mid-range. Um, and I, I think the, the interesting thing I've found is I was looking at his uh, three-point shot and the non-corner threes, um, he's consistently at 34%, which I think is pretty good. And then, yeah, okay. and, and his corner threes, It was 40% in 2015-16, 44% in 16-17, then 54% in 17-18, that amazing season that you mentioned. Mm. But the last two seasons, it's 30% and 20%. So that's a weird one where like the corner three is the easiest three three point look that you can get. So um, if he's been at 34% above the break for his entire career, I I, I think that, the, you know, that 30 and 20 is not reflective of what he is as the shooter. So I would still expect him to be like a 36, 37% uh, shooter overall from the outside. And so I think, you know, when you think about the Raptors' needs, that dynamism at the guard position, that ability to pull up uh, in the mid-range uh those are things that are that, that will be very valuable to the Raptors potentially right and so I think there's still enough of that to mm-hmm. be enticing but obviously as I mentioned the other um uh, factors before or why I wouldn't sort of go uh hard into looking for a deal for it
1: yeah I agree I mean I think you could argue it on, honestly either way um you know, because if you just look at the profile of this game, a obviously he's talented enough to play on the Raptors, man. Like, there's no question about that. Um, even if you factor in the fact that okay, he's had a serious injury, we, you know, we'll see what's going, what's what's there going forward. He's uh, he's just a very talented player. He's a player that the Raptors don't currently have as a shot creator. Um, he can get his own shot. Um, you know, I thought honestly in that 18 season he was hitting a lot of pull up threes, and that seemed to be his go to move. Like he has such a really quick first step to get by his guy that people kind of sag off of him. And that year, he shot the pull-up three really well. Um, you know, again, that could be a bit of an outlier. But, I mean, ultimately, we're talking about a guy who is really athletic, um, especially for his position. Um, you know, he can get his own shot. You know, as you mentioned, can get that mid-range shot. He can finish at the rim. There's a lot of good things to like about Victor. It's just... The injury risk is just big on this front, man. And I think that's going to really hurt him in a sense because he was really gearing up to have a big payday um and he, i think he deserved it absolutely but i think honestly if you just look at indiana's cap sheet it's pretty clear they don't have space for this man um first off indiana is a team that famously does not pay the tax they're a small market club um you know their owner herb simon i think he has like malls across america or something so he's, he's not that rich okay Uh obviously he's rich compared to either of us but um You know, I don't think, you know, Indiana's in a position to really pay the tax. And I think that's where you hear some of these trade rumors coming out from because, I mean, Indiana has a lot of money on the books. I believe like over $120 million already. Uh, And, you know, they just signed uh, Miles Turner to a a bigger contract. They signed Demonta Simonis, a bigger contract. They signed uh, Malcolm Brogdon to a bigger contract. Uh, They just don't have that much space uh, on their books. And so I could see Victor moving on. Um, I know he keeps saying that, you know what, I'm a pacer, but let's be real, man. You might be moving on. Um Okay, let's circle back to this question then. What would what would a trade package look like for you? What would what would you think realistically um Indiana might be intrigued by and where you as a Raptor fan of as a Raptor journalist would actually feel is, is a fair return for the Raptors as well?
0: Uh so I th- I think I would lean towards the Fred sign and trade. Okay. Because I think if you're Indiana, uh, I feel like Fred and Malcolm Brogdon, they would complement each other actually pretty well. And uh, especially with Fred having a bigger guard next to him, I think that that would play to both their strengths and, you know, alleviate some of the concerns you'd have with that you normally would with a small backcourt. Right? I mean, as good as, as amazing as Kyle was, these playoffs, it it did hurt at times, right, having such a small backcourt, uh, especially against the length of the Celtics. And so um, I think if you can pair Kyle with Oladipo, uh, I think, you know, that that would be a really strong backcourt if Oladipo is back uh, to the level we expect. So, yeah, uh, something uh, along the lines of uh, Fred plus... You know, I, I don't know what it would take beyond that, whether it be a second-round pick or something like that mm-hmm. um, for Depot, Because, again, he's heading into the final year of his deal, right? So you're not going to sacrifice too much either. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I really
1: don't think the Raptors would have to give that much more beyond that, to be honest. I, I, I guess my question about the, the sign of trade is, like, a, I think you need the Pacers obviously to agree to that, right? And you need Fred to agree to sign there too. That's a that's a bigger thing yeah. too. Fred needs to agree to sign uh, in that situation. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other thing is just like I mentioned, man, Indiana is like they're really, really close to the cap. They're really close to the cap, and they're yeah. just uh, again, they're just they don't have that much money. Um, you know, currently on the books, they have 127 million for next year. So that's like right, right against that tax, if not above it. Um, We'll see sort of where the projections, everything come out after uh, this year. And that's including Victor's deal, which is 21 million next year. I mean, I think realistically, Fred probably gets that same number. So I don't think that necessarily keeps them, that doesn't save any money for them. So that's where my hesitations are. A, I don't know if Fred wants to sign there. And B, I don't know. Because you know what I mean? Like you think Fred is going to be moving – fvv merch bettering yourself merch in uh <laughs> in, in hoosier hoosier territory Have you been i mean in- he'll be closer he'll be closer to home he will be i mean i guess so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i guess i guess that is just true, one bro. step closer to chicago oh man yeah no i mean more well, rockford i should specify rockford because he always makes that distinction right that is true that is true <laughs> shout out rockford the uh the
1: mississauga of of, of chicago um Actually, I don't even know if that's true or not. But I, I used to go to Chicago quite a bit. Um, I mean, it fits. He went from Rockford to the 905. It fits. Yeah, no, that's that's true. He's got that T-shirt too that on on the FPV merch where he has all the cities that he's played in and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Okay. So for me, honestly, I think because Indiana needs some cap relief. For me, I put together something like Norm plus a future first round pick. The first round pick would be protected. Um. Or if they want this year's pick, if you want the 29th pick, congratulations, Indiana, you can have it. Um, because I, I don't actually think he's obviously he's a better player than Norm. Like, even with Norm improving this year, he's still a better player than Norm. But I, I just, I'm not a hundred thousand percent sold on Victor Oladipo. I, I just, it's just that one season is so much of an outlier relative to everything else that I don't really know. Maybe it was a player that was on the up trajectory and on, on the upswing before he got the injury, but. It's just something about him. I mean, at the t- the times that I've seen Victor play against the Raptors since then, he hasn't really been a significant factor, which I don't think is surprising to anybody who's following the Pacers. I'm sure they will tell you that sometimes Victor has been hurting the team because he's kind of thrown off the rhythm of the team. Um, and obviously, that's not fair. That's it's not the best of Victor, but I I just don't know what that is anymore. And I think honestly, my other thing is I don't I just don't know how much the Raptors want to invest at the shooting guard position in terms of their resources and their cap. Because if you're going to trade for Victor, you're saying that you want to re-sign Victor, right? And, yes. you know, as you mentioned, that cap hold is tricky to work with. Now, the thing with the cap hold is if you if Giannis does agree to sign with the Raptors in 2021, you can then sort of negotiate with everyone at the same time and you can lock Victor into a cheaper deal that's below the cap hold, sign him first, then sign Giannis. There's
0: all sorts of things you can do with the cap. But, but um, you'd have to renounce him. No, you can resign him first. Uh, no, I, I think that's the purpose. That's the purpose of the cap hold. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. All right. Well, I mean, that's you know, that's an issue. Then <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> else to say. That's the, that's a real issue. That, that's um, why I think that's why they did that, right? the At the one hundred and fifty percent to stop teams from doing that. Mm. Okay. So, well, maybe you work out with an extension with Victor this off season,
1: then, because I think he's. Is he is in he he was on a more more than a three year deal, yeah, so you can work out an extension with him, I guess, but I don't know if he wants to, if, he, if that's enough money for him again. yeah. Know, this is just tough, exactly right and I think I, you know the bigger issue is just I don't know how much Thrapids need to invest at the shooting guard position because you know if you're talking about a max contract for Pascal, I mean Fred, hopefully he's here uh, he's on a bigger deal and then you know you it's just is that third guy for you going to be a shooting guard? and then how are you going to build the rest of your roster and yeah and obviously OG's up for an extension as well you know Victor's a really good player but I just don't know if that's the risk I want to take so for me personally I'm kind of passing on Victor even if it is a norm plus future first like yeah I wouldn't hate it but I, I you know there's there's some real significant
0: risk there uh, no, I'm with you man uh, I, I, yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't really give up anything for Victor I, I think you know this entire offseason in general the first question you got to ask yourself with any type of trade idea is Mm. how does this affect the 2021 cap
1: yeah uh and that brings me to our next shooting guard who is maybe or maybe not on the market probably on the market let's be real buddy healed um so he so so the first issue right off the top is he makes 23 million in 21 uh, 22 that season where hopefully you're trying to fit in Giannis. so uh that's already a big hurdle um what, what do you think about Buddy Heald? Because I think on one hand, you can look at it as he is one of the most prolific three-point shooters in the NBA, gets him up at a high volume. But at the same time, I'm like, does he do anything else? Is he good on defense?
0: Like, I, I don't really know. So uh, what, what do you think about Buddy Heald's game, first off? Yeah, like you said, he's very good at the one-specific thing. He does really well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of, I think in terms of the volume three-point shooters in the league, he's one of the best uh, I think he set himself up as that. Uh, but I think when I look at what he represents off-court, off his personality, I mm-hmm. just don't think the Raptors uh, have shown a tendency to sign or pursue those type of guys. You know, you look at the roster the last few years, it's always been high character, um, strong leadership type guys. And I don't think Buddy Eo fits that. How much of the issues, you know, with the way he calls stuff out publicly, uh, all that kind of stuff, how much do you attribute that to just being in Sacramento with a franchise that hasn't been able to get itself together for a long time now? Uh, mm. I don't, I don't know, but I think his, I don't think he fits the roster from a personality type. Mm. There, he obviously addresses the need with his ability to. Score, but I don't. I don't know if it's necessarily uh, something that'd be worth investing in, uh, in considering what you'd have to give up.
1: Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So the 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 comments in public. I mean, I I can't hate really on that necessarily. I think his negotiations with the Kings last year, trying to get an extension, uh, was became really public, and I think he made it so. But again, you're dealing with Vladdy. You're dealing with a franchise that, you know, whatever, but he did kind of take it a little bit too far. You know, <laughs> I think some of the comments that were ultimately, he didn't even get that much more money than initially offered. So uh, that's, that's unfortunate. I mean, he clashed with coaches like, you know, him and Dave Yeager apparently didn't see eye to eye. Then yeah. um, he got benched this year uh, with, by Luke Walton. I don't think Luke Walton's a very good coach quite honestly, but you know, he no. clashed with Luke Walton as well. So, I mean, you know, all that other stuff. But I, I don't think there's anything necessarily... I don't think there's the wrong uh, personality or anything else like that. I just think that some of these things are unfortunate. Again, when you're in the midst of a bad bad organization, like everyone's going to stink. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'm yeah, going to keep him the benefit the out there. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of his game... Okay, so I guess what I'm looking at is... I'm watching the playoffs right now. Obviously, I'm watching the finals right now. I feel like one-dimensional shooters... Especially guys that shoot a lot of threes, it just it just it's hard to replicate that same success in the playoffs. Um, what do you think about that, first of all? I mean, obviously, Clay and Steph, that's a different scenario altogether. Those guys are like historical shooters and everything like that. And they have each other to play off of. But when we're looking at a guy like Buddy Heel, he doesn't necessarily have the profile of a playoff contributor to me. Or at least if he contributes,
0: it's not going to be the same impact he has a regular season. Yeah, I'm with you because I think the number one thing you look at is, especially with a shooter, is how hard are they willing to work when they don't have the ball? Mm. And I think he's someone that kind of switches off when he doesn't have the ball in his hands or mm. when the play is not being run for him or, you know, he's not running off the screen. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think those are aspects of his game that he needs to improve. And so as long as he doesn't add, those aspects to this game it's going to be pretty one-dimensional and it's going to be pretty easy to scheme for in the postseason like you mm-hmm. said so in terms of addressing those needs uh because let's face it the Raptors you know they're not a team that is sort of trying to figure stuff out for the regular season anymore mm-hmm. exactly Yeah. everything is about how does this help us in the postseason how does this make us better how does this help us when around or two or three or whatever it is right and so uh, I just don't see enough there uh, to validate pursuing him for you know what's essentially a stopgap here yeah yeah I agree Um, his I don't
1: think his age is necessarily a a problem I just want to point out that he had a bit of an age controversy when he just randomly knowing his age is the problem well, that's that was the issue. Um, he just randomly revealed he's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I'm a year older than I said." Um, you know, I think he there's there was a New York. I was looking at Buddy Heald in preparation for this podcast because, as you mentioned, this is the first time I've actually prepared extensively for one. <laughs> and I saw I came across a New York, uh, no, an NBC Sports headline that said Buddy Hield is turning. Uh, oh no, a New York Times headline. Sorry, my bad. Buddy Hield's age grew by two years on Monday. The New York Times. That's that's not something you want to go in the Times about. Uh, but that's not his fault, I guess, necessarily. Um, you know, get your money, man. Listen. But, uh, yeah, I, I just I, – I, I don't know. I see holes in his game. Look, obviously, he's a really good three-point shooter. And you're not going to take away that entirely. But um, if you are one-dimensional in the playoffs, that's going to be tough. I knew, I'm going to need you to defend. He has not been a good defender for his entire career. And, again, he's played on, like, New Orleans back when they were nothing and Sacramento, which speaks for itself. Like, it, it, you're just probably not going to defend because there's no culture of defending. But at the same time, he just has not shown any inclination to defend. Like, one thing that's concerning to me is just, that, like, um, despite the fact that he actually does contribute a lot offensively with the shooting, he does move off ball, stuff like that. He's pretty crafty. Um, I think he's developed a little bit as a, as a passer this year. Um, he, you know, he can occasionally get a shot off the dribble now, but he just... He's been a negative contributor because his defense is that bad. And I'm look after watching Demar, you know, kind of a similar profile player. Demar obviously got his points totally differently. But uh, if you are not willing to defend, I just I don't know if I want you on the Raptors, man. Even even if you are as good as you are, right, with with Buddy and his shooting. And I think with Buddy his shooting is it's impressive that he's able to scale up his shooting, right? Because he went from four point six attempts in his rookie year to 5.1, to 7.9, to 9.6. So the fact that he's able to scale up his shooting and his volume is really impressive considering he's still shooting 39% from the field, or from three, and, and for his career, he's at 41% from three. He's a good shooter, but he doesn't necessarily get his own shot in a way that, you know, if you look at other guys who are, you know, approaching 10, maybe even like a James Harden, like, you know, 12, 13, threes a game, those guys can get their own shots off. And for Buddy, He, even though he has scaled up his three point shooting, most of these threes are assisted, which look, obviously, you would prefer most of your assists to be, most of your shots to be assisted. But um, he still, to me, feels like a guy who, um, you know, is mostly a catch and shoot player. He doesn't really create off the dribble like that. And I don't know. I'm going to need him to be a little bit more dynamic uh, as a playmaker. Because again, if you aren't contributing defensively, you got to be complete offensively. And. I don't really think he is that, you know? I'm totally with you, man.
0: Uh, yeah, again, you look at plus players who fit the roster, and you think about the Raptors' future as a whole. You look across the board, whether, you know... I, I expect Fred to resign. I, I really do. So if you look at Fred, OG, Pascal, you know, with that core, you have such a high floor because of what they bring to the table defensively. Mm. I don't think you would want to, you know, sort of reduce that in any way. And so if that's the standard, I think that's what you want to bring to the table across the board. And we know Nick nurse demands that from everyone who's on the team. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Uh, And so uh, that fit again, I just don't see it. Um, it's sexy to talk about. It's fun to talk about all this stuff, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are other three point options that you can look at and say. You look at what the Raptors did in this postseason and the half court offense, and there's ways that they can help alleviate those concerns. But uh, for de- uh, for again defensive reasons, for uh, the ways postseason defenses challenge you to score and mm. you know take away your first option. I, I don't see Buddy Heald as that difference maker. Yeah,
1: and then just the last thing with the defense because I, I did some real research, man. I, I was reading <laughs> hey, man, Kings blogs, it. bro. This guy, I was reading sack Town Royalty. Okay, okay. Um, and so obviously he's been a really uh, divisive player. Honestly, the discourse around him. I was reading some of the fan comments. Kind of reminded me a lot of the Demar stuff. It's like he brings a lot of offensively, but what's he, what's he taking off the table? And then I was like, how bad could we be defensively? I saw this chart. And so this is uh, in terms of defended shots, the differential in terms of how much it affects your shooting percentage. So he's defending a guy shooting the ball. Is he uh, and how is he compared to league average? Right. And when you look at in terms of when he's defending three point shots, opponents shoot 4.4 uh, percent better on at, than league average, which is the eighth worst mark in the NBA. At the rim, opponents shoot 12.7 percent better. When Buddy's defending them, which is the worst mark in the NBA, and overall, opponents shoot 7.6 percent better than league average when being guarded by Buddy healed in general, which is again the worst mark in the NBA. Like, <laughs> I, I, I can't go back to that, man. I'm sorry, I can't. I mean, he does bring a lot. I mean, offensively, I think, you know, he's a guy who's growing. I think, especially when you have when you have the ability to shoot the three so well, you can do so many other things offensively that everything else can come. After that, you can develop a floater. You can get to the rim. You can cut. You can play off ball. I love all that about Buddy's game, but um, yeah, for the money and for the fact that he's just so bad on defense, I'm gonna have to pass on that too. But um, he's a six six Lou Will man. I mean, I mean at least Lou Will can operate in the pick and roll. I was gonna say yeah, and I need that pick and roll game from from Buddy because again, if you are gonna be that bad defensively, as I mentioned, you got you got to play better offensively, and he's not that complete offensively. So I'm gonna have to say pass on that. Uh, in terms of big men. So Mantra's Harrell has been, I would say, softly linked. And what I mean by that is uh, here are some of the links, okay? Uh, he wore an Austin Matthews jersey once. <laughs> he followed the Raptors on Instagram. And his AU team has a Raptors logo. This is from the Chris Bosh days, you know, with the basketball and the three claws. You know, just, I love, you know, every time I look at that logo, I'm like, oh, yeah, Jared Jack used to wear that. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, you always want to be associated with that. I mean, yeah, so th- th- these are hardly concrete rumors. Um, what do you think about Harrow? So he's a free agent coming up. He just won um, six-man of the year, even though he's a seventh man. Uh, what do you think about his game overall? <laughs> I uh,
0: I like Montrezaro as a piece off the bench. I think uh, a lot of people are going to get caught up in the Clippers postseason and what happened in the bubble, but I put I put Harold in sort of that spectrum that, you know, on, on the deep end of the spectrum with the guys like Pascal, who for me, the way I looked at it is there were obviously going to be two opposite ends of the spectrum where you have someone like Luka Doncic who goes from all-star level to MVP level. And that's the really positive side of it. And then you're going to have the really negative side of it uh, with this stoppage that happened. And we saw how it impacted Pascal we saw i mean frankly i i thought it impacted the bucks as a team um and so i think there's other pieces too so i would put him in that category with with uh you know the COVID situation and i, I just didn't think who he was in the bubble was reflective of who he was before that mm. uh, during the regular season so i would cut him some slack there and uh yeah, I think I think he's a nice piece. The question comes down to what type of money does he command right now in the in the free agent market,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, how long a term is he looking for? If he's coming off a six man of the, of the year and he's saying, "Hey, this is my chance to get a long term deal, four or five years," um, and you know he's you know looking at you know twelve to fifteen mil, then I would shy away from that. Mm-hmm. if he, if he's someone that's still kind of open to a two-year deal where now you're entering free agency again at 29 30 and you've got a chance to finish up with a really strong co- contract to your career and maybe you know find another level to your game mm-hmm. then that's something that I would at least look into you know um, considering the Raptors needs right he can, he can be sort of a small ball five when you need when you need it and obviously we know he's more of a four. He'd be a nice uh, backup option to Pascal. Yeah.
1: Um, a couple of things. I mean, first off in terms of what he's going to look for in free agency, I think I have a good idea. Uh, he was a late draft pick second round, 32nd pick by the Houston Rockets 2015. So you're not making a lot of money, especially when you're uh, signing second round deals with Daryl Morey. He loves to sign them to the, uh, the four year minimum contract. I don't know how he does that, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of exploitive, whatever. Um, And then when he signed with the Clippers, when he, when he got re-signed with the Clippers, he signed a two year $12 million deal. So for his career so far, he's made uh, $15 million in terms of career earnings in uh, five seasons. This man's going to be looking for some money and I think he deserves it um, because he's played really well. He's really made a career of himself. And I actually kind of like Montrez as a player. I think there's a lot of things that he does that's that's quite good. Um, One thing in particular, the pick-and-roll game. He's scoring 1.31 points per possession in the pick-and-roll game as the finisher. So that's an incredible mark, and especially for a guy who does it as primarily his option. Everyone knows he's rolling to the rim. Teams are just having a hard time stopping him. And to put that in comparison, like, maybe Serge Ibaka was probably the Raptors' best pick and roll option in terms of their centers finishing. He was at 1.00 points per play. So uh, Montrez can really do some damage there. He's a really physical player uh, at the rim. Um, you know, he's good on the offensive glass. He's uh, undersized, but, again, really physical. Honestly, he's grown, uh, a, you know, a bit of a driving game. Like, he given him the ball a little bit in in the uh, in the elbows and he's going one on one especially against a small defender he can kind of bully his way there um and so that's all good and i think he really would bring some nice things to the raptors i think offensive rebounding something the raptors don't really have a lot of he brings that too but i mean again does he really fit the profile of a raptor player right i think defensively he's going to be limited because he's 6 foot 8 and i don't think he's as bad as he looked in the playoffs i mean like you can't really be asking a guy post covid to be guarding Nikola Jokic, who's like, has how like, even after Jokic lost some weight, like, he's probably still got 50 pounds on yeah. Montrez. Like, come on, man.
0: I mean, let's just face it, man. Jokic is a
1: beast. Yeah. And also, who is stopping Jokic physically? Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> Nobody.
2: So, yeah. Even
1: Anthony Davis couldn't do it. So, yeah. No, they had Dwight Howard out here acting like a seven foot Patrick Beverly to try to throw Jokic off his game. Um, but I, I don't think he's that great of a defender. Um, I don't I think he's more offensively focused than defensively focused. And then I think what is the ultimate role for Montrez going to even be on the Raptors, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. assuming uh Giannis comes and you still have Pascal, like where where is he playing? Are you playing Pascal with three then? Like, what are you what are you doing? And if you're signing into big money just for him to come off the bench, that doesn't necessarily make sense to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, part of part of why. I said the two-year deal is because, you know, it gives you a chance where, okay, now if you got to make the money work next year, he's appealing as an expiring contract, right? Mm. So there's still that flexibility. And so, you know, if he starts looking at three or four years, then it's like, okay, why wouldn't you just resign Surge then, right? I, yeah. I, I think I, I think the money would be similar and I think the fit would be way better for Surge. Yeah. So, um. So I think I think it really comes down to whether Carroll would consider a short term contract. Um, and if not, you just move on.
1: Yeah. And I again I just doubt he does that because he's gonna be for yeah, somebody. Yeah, I agree man. with him. And he deserves it. He absolutely deserves it. He played really well. I just don't I don't like the fit that great either because I think he's gonna play in the same area as Pascal is going to play. So it's not gonna it's gonna hurt the spacing for Pascal a little bit. Um and then, yeah, when you put Giannis in that mix, too, I mean, like, that's just too many cooks in the kitchen, man. Everyone's going to be trying to post up and try to drive. So, um, I'm, you know, Montrez is a nice player, but I, I don't really see it working here. And then the last guy I kind of wanted to quickly touch on before we look at positions is just um, – so, Miles Turner, he's probably on the market, too. There's some reports that he's on the market. Again, I wouldn't be surprised anybody from Indiana gets traded because of the fact that they just don't have that much money and they have $127 million on their books. Miles Turner – He's competing in that center position with Demonte Sabonis. They play them together. It Doesn't really work that great for them together. Um, he makes eighteen million dollars per year flat for the next three years, which is honestly a pretty reasonable rate for a guy with his skills. But um, I don't know. What, what do you? Are you a glass half empty guy on Miles Turner or glass half full? Because I'm definitely glass half empty.
0: Yeah, this is interesting because I'm glass half full. Okay. I legitimately right. like Miles Turner. Uh, Probably not as much as Joe Wolf wolfon, but <laughs> yo bro I heard this man say he will take uh miles turnover
1: Chris Asperzingus and i i had to I had to turn off pound the rock <laughs> for like five minutes
0: just to walk around That didn't I didn't agree <laughs> with that
1: uh
0: no I think Turner's defense is really good I think he's you know one of, one of the better uh big man defenders in the league I think his shot prevention is underrated like I think he's actually like Marcus, all like uh, in terms Mm. of just uh, getting, deterring guards and forwards from even like considering a shot at the Mm. rim. You know what I mean? Uh, So I think he's really solid. And then on top of that, he gives you like a couple blocks a game. So I think he's he's a really good rim protector. Um, He can pop the three from the outside. This is one where I think when you look at the fit and in Mm. terms of the way Nick Nurse likes to play, I think he'd love to have a center like Miles Turner, because um, de- again, someone that can defend the pick and roll, execute different defensive schemes, uh, allows you to uh, you know space out the offense. Uh, doesn't need that many touches, and so you know, I think he had a challenge uh, this year where Sabonis was playing so well that it was like, hey, we're gonna have Sabonis operate out of the post. We're gonna need you to be outside mm. and help. Sabonis so just facilitate the offense, and uh, I think he was really effective at doing that. Um, he probably his 2018-19 season was probably better than this this past season,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: I think he's still a really good big um, eighteen mil a year. I, I think I think there's value there. He, that's totally fair. I mean, he, first off, he's mad young. He's only twenty four years old. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I think I think there is fair value there. So. Yeah, I'd be I'd be I'd be very open to Miles Turner being the starting five next year, man. <laughs> well, um I'm, I'm I I put more glass of empty
1: on him. Uh I wrote in the notes here that he's a Black Barnani. I maybe that's uh, un, maybe that's unfair. Uh, maybe that's unfair. Uh I just I don't know. I, I was watching uh, some of those games again against uh the Raptors. Just obviously I'm going to watch those games more closely. Raptors played Indiana a couple times, man. I was never impressed by Miles Turner. But I mean, again, that's hard to just judge a man against the league's second best defense. I think offensively, there's some real holes in his game because, like, he can shoot the three. He's not necessarily a prolific three point shooter. Like, he shot four no. threes a game this year, 34%. You know, I, I just, he's a guy that people are going to leave open. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Brooke Lopez, actually, and then a the profile of his game. A little bit more mobile than Brooke, but not that much more, uh, surprisingly. Um, not really much of a passer. As you mentioned, he can block shots. He can deter shots. Legitimately defensive, I think he's good. Um, but, uh, yeah, offensively, it's just, it's just weird. First off, for a big man, to shoot 45% from the field as a big man is just a little odd to me. I know he shoots a lot of the threes, but, you know, he's yeah. never really been that efficient of a shooter overall, I would say. Doesn't really get to the free throw line. I mean, he can make the free throws when he gets there, which is nice for a big, but doesn't really get there. And then even with defensive rebounding, I'm like, hmm I mean, I get that Sabonis is there, but Sabonis wasn't always there. And his, his rebounding percentage, defensive rebounding rate, it, it's, it's like hovered around his career is 20%, which is not great, man. Um, I just, there's a couple of things with his game that I just don't feel totally right about. I mean, th- I think on paper, you can look at it as a three point shooting big man, even block shots. That's, and he's 24 years old. He's uh cost, you know, is, his contract is secured and it's reasonable. Um, but it's just something about his offensive game throws me out, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm judging too harshly because it's not like offensively. Most centers give you that much anyway, Yeah. but he's just kind of neutral to me. I mean, if he got his three point shot down more, which I don't see a reason why he couldn't, I think he's always been a good free throw shooter uh, and he's developed that three steadily throughout his career. So if you can get him to be a better three point shooter, then maybe we look at his game entirely differently, but there's just something, I don't know.
0: There's just something missing about miles. I'm, I'm totally with you on like his rim finishing. I think that is a big issue as, as a big yeah. man. I think it's just something you need. And the weird part is like the first two seasons, he was like close to 70% at the rim.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And like the last three seasons, he's to Like he's, he's like around 65. So that's a big drop off. So I think. I mean, listen, I'm,
1: I'm going to need you to shoot better than Norman Powell from the, at the rim.
0: <laughs> Norm, Norm was our best rim finisher,
1: pretty much this season, man. <laughs> yeah, no, he was. He was. It was unbelievable. It was for pretty guy, much
0: between man. him and OG. Man, he's gonna make such a great trade piece. I mean, um... so yeah, I think I think what would be interesting with Miles is like, why would you give up the assets now? Mm. I almost feel like keep the flexibility. Mm-hmm if you're able to assign, you know, a major, a major free agent, then you go ahead and upgrade. Right. 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 And I then, mean, but
1: he might be gone before then though. That's the thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, Indiana's the already is already
1: sitting on two centers. They're already kind of, it's kind of eating into Turner's value a little bit because the has
0: progressed to the point that he is right. He's got to play out of position. So
2: yeah, and, I hear and, that.
0: I just, yeah. I just don't know how much to buy into the rumor. Cause I felt like it was just kind of a throwaway line in that, I mean, all due respect to Jared Weiss, the Athletic. um, Like he he said, like Oladipo um, was looking to move on, and then he kind of just threw uh, Turner in there and was like, "Oh, he might be in the same boat." You know, it wasn't like yeah.
1: I mean, I just mean that. I just to me, I think Turner is gettable because they have two centers and they need to move one. Yeah, that that one's just straightforward. But
2: right, yeah. Um,
1: but I mean, no, listen, if we're talking about fit with Giannis, you know, he's again, like I just mentioned, he's, he's Brooke Lopez E, you know, like him and Brooke kind of play a similar profile and, um, yeah, I mean, Brooke has more of a post game, but he doesn't really use it much. Um, you know, you know, that could work. That could work. And he's young. He could start a little bit. Yeah. Um, I would love miles Turner on the reps. Yeah. I make all the pieces fit. I was going to say out of the four people we talked about, uh, in terms of Victor buddy, uh, you know, Miles and Montres. I, th- I think Miles' his fit probably is the best one. Victor, I think, has the most upside. I think that's not that hard to figure out. But um, yeah, I wouldn't mind that one. Uh, in terms of just wrapping up this show, then uh, I, let's look at the sort of the the Raptors by position moving forward. Right, you have the five positions. Um, I think you guys can agree that the most secure one is power forward. You know, you have Pascal signed to a max contract. He just made the All NBA team. He's an all uh, All Star player. He's shown he's going to defend he's going to improve offensively he's going to work hard you know you're as set as you could really possibly be at the power forward position um there are some other questions in terms of the long-term future um let, let's start at the point guard position so we'll skip power forward we'll go through the rest of the positions point guard um assuming you re-sign fred that should be a pretty secure um position uh but you know, I guess the questions I have is, what do you do with Kyle long term? And you know, is is Terrence
0: Davis a point guard long term? I think for me, I might be in the minority in terms of thinking that Kyle still got a few seasons at a high level left. Okay. I think everyone sort of, you know, I, I feel like people are jumping the gun on like, oh, it's time to move on. Yeah. You know, this was his last. Well, I, I did this in like 2017, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> Because I I, I really think he just, you know, he takes great care of his body. um, And, you you know, you can look at his age all you want. I think when you make the comparisons to point guards of the past and, oh, this, you know, these size point guards have never lasted before. Well, those size point guards also never had this level of sports science and uh, ability to, you know, take care of their nutrition and all of that. And so I think Kyle does all the right things from that standpoint. And that's why I think he honestly has, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he made the all-star team, uh, you know, two or three more times.
1: Yeah. And, and also, you know, I've raised that point in the past about sort of like six foot guards, long-term scoring. It's true. There's a very uh, small historical precedent, but I mean, realistically the way the game is played now, there's so much three-point shooting that you can like, Kyle's getting half his points. From just threes. Like he's gonna make three threes. That's already nine points. Um, and I think you know that's gonna help prolong people's careers as well. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I think really the question is I mean, I think as Raptor fans, I speak for everybody when I say that, you know, we all want Kyle here as long as possible. We want Kyle to retire here. It's really just a question of how much money can you afford to give Kyle in 2021 when his contract is up, uh, and how much Kyle is willing to take that money versus you know going elsewhere and maximizing his career earnings uh, or maximizing his chance of winning a title. I mean, I think if Giannis comes, I think he will probably just stay because I think that the chance at a title is so, uh, you know, uh, valuable, but you know, who, who, who really quite knows. But um, the other question is uh, with, with Terrence Davis, man, do you think he's a point guard going forward or not? Cause I, I remember talking to him in preseason and stuff like that, and, I, and he was telling me how just they want to develop him as a, a point guard. He's not really – he's newer to that position. And we saw we saw throughout the course of the year, he kind of moved away from that shooting guard position more to more of a sh- – uh, sorry, point guard to more of a shooting guard position. I would even say McCaw played more point than uh, Terrence did. Um, Obviously, Fred and Kyle there as well. Do you think, you know, TD is still moving in that point guard direction?
0: I don't think so. Uh, I still haven't seen enough to think uh, his best role isn't, uh, you know, playing off ball mm. and attacking off initial penetration. And I think that's something the Raptors do need to look to address. Uh, I don't know if they look to do it in this year's draft where if you can get, you know, I, I don't want to say traditional point guard, but if you can get someone who, you uh, who's who's just you know attacking the basket and creating for others just comes naturally to them i think that's sort of the best fit uh at that position Mm. and and it allows terrence to be at his best so i I wouldn't write terrence off but i do think his best uh you, you get the most out of him if he's playing off ball and uh attacking off initial creation
1: yeah i agree with you i think um I also think, look, as a point guard, I, I'm just going to need you to be like exceptional in making decisions, right? And Fred's a really heady player. Kyle's a really heady player. TD, he's a young player, so you don't really quite know yet. But I, to me, the instincts aren't necessarily fully there for him to be a pure point guard. Um, he's probably a combo guard. I think he already is kind of a combo guard right now, with the combo being heavily skewed towards that shooting guard skill set rather than that point guard skill set. But um yeah, I, I agree. I I wouldn't necessarily look at him as a point guard. So I mean in the shooting guard position then. So you at least for next season, you have I mean, presumably you have whoever one of Kyle or Fred is um you know playing the shooting guard position. Uh you have Norm who is uh definitely a very solid backup. Um and then you have Matt Thomas and Pat McCaw. And, of course, you could throw TD in this position as well. So I honestly think, honestly, just in terms of depth, they actually have a lot of depth at shooting guard, but all very different options. Let's start with Matt Thomas. How, how, what do you think Matt Thomas's path is to actually cracking the rotation
0: on a significant basis? The or is there, in, is, is there one, you know what I mean? The path with Nick Nurse is always defense, right? Mm. And so I think he made some strides from the beginning of the season. Where, you know, I thought he was the chicken with his head cut off. To, uh, to, you know, just understanding uh, nurses zone schemes, um, and I think that's something that Nick recognized too. It's just hey, it's probably easier to just go zone while he's on the court, and uh, I thought, I thought he did well there. I think there were situations where. You know, he was defending Chris Middleton and held his own, and mm. that's something that he confidence from. I'm surprised every when whenever I look him up and I see that he's six five. I feel like you know every time I look at him on the court, he's like max six two. But mm. uh, I think you know at that size, you you just want him to continue uh, to do what he's doing offensively because I think. Uh, what he does where people chase him off the three point line and he takes that step inside and knocks down the mid range. Jay, I think that's really valuable. Mm. Uh, There were times where, you know, he kept probing off the dribble and was able to find an open man. I think that I I think he's a really high IQ basketball player. And so uh, I think that will help him come around on defensive schemes as well because all rookies, I, I, you know, whether you're coming from Europe, whether you're coming from college, whatever it is, defensively, that first year is really tough. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. Because you just don't have the kind of athletes who are as quick and as fast and as explosive and as big as they are in the NBA. There just isn't, man. Like, that's the biggest difference. In, on top of yeah. the, the fact that the skill set is just different. Um, like, come on, man. You know, yeah. There's, there's, no so, Pas-
0: there's no Pascals in, in, in Valencia, man. <laughs> so I think the strides that he showed from, you know, day one of the 20... 20- 1920 season mm-hmm. to where he was by the end of the bubble the fact that nurse trusted him enough to put him into a game 7 and arguably should have trusted him a bit more yeah uh, and maybe given him a look in the second half i think uh, that's something that you can carry over into this season and say yeah when when things are starting to look a little stagnant matt thomas can really give you something and mm-hmm. uh, those are the pockets where he best fits like we Nick Nurse did in the playoffs. And I always go back to even in the bubble, there was the the game where they got blown out by the Celtics and they really couldn't make an open shot.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then the very next game, they played Memphis. And again, they started out the game really struggling to hit from the outside. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And that's when Nick Nurse went to Matt Thomas. And Matt Thomas came in, knocked down a couple threes. And all of a sudden, the Raptors caught fire. And Nick Nurse said after the game, it's like, yeah, we just... It didn't matter who it was. We just needed to see someone put the ball in the basket. Yeah. And you know Matt Thomas can always do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very ironic that he made 99 threes this season. (laughs) Didn't even know that, man. That's crazy. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, I think next year, there's definitely a path to more playing time. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Uh, Just because I I really trust uh, that he puts in the work Uh, he's talked before about how the Raptors gave him film on like different guys that he can emulate. I don't think we have to, you know, make wild guesses to assume who those guys would be, Uh, but, uh, I, I definitely think there is a path to more minutes for Matt Thomas.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing I like about it, uh, you mentioned that, you know, he can, you know, when guys really close out hard and guys are always going to close out hard, he can step into that mid range. This man shot 62% from 16 to three point arc. That's unbelievable, and a lot of those are like bank shots because you know he loves that little bank shot when he floats. He was so five. good at it,
0: that sounds low. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, that is true. You're right, actually. Come on, come on, Matt. Get your weight up. No, but I mean, I, I honestly think in terms of the way he can kind of grow his game, you know, obviously J.J. Redding is always mentioned, um, but even a guy like Seth Curry, because I, I feel like there's a mold of like undersized guard that shoots really well but can play make just a little bit, right? I'm thinking of guys like Patty Mills also fits this category. Um, you know, I, I, I would say Seth Curry fits his category too. He's probably the premium version of it, but a guy who can play, make just a little bit, create just a little bit and make a couple of reads, definitely playing off ball. But because of that threat of their movement, because of the threat of their shooting, they can be a positive contributor and they can be a, a solid bench piece. And I, that's what I kind of feel like Matt could be doing. I mean, even JJ Reddick back in the day, he kind of did that too. He had a little bit of assisting in his game and I could see him, you know, he works really hard. Um, he's developing the handle you know, we all know Matt Thomas propaganda hour. Um, So, I mean, I'm I'm hoping he, you know, just moves up a little bit. I think realistically the rotation is just kind of crowded right now. Anyway, at the guard position, you have Kyle, Fred, they're going to play a lot of minutes. Norm is going to play a lot of minutes because he's legitimately better than Matt. And so Matt's kind of that fourth guy right now. And there's a cap to how much he can play there. Um, What about a guy like McCaw? Are you giving up on McCaw yet? Um, because I felt like, honestly, quite honestly, at times I was looking at that Celtic series, and I'm like, McCall would have done. I kind of miss McCall a little bit in that Celtic series. Did you Did you feel that way or no? I'm
0: I'm, I'm with you. I'm yeah? with you. Okay. Yeah. All right. yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, first off, we I don't, I don't think we can finish Matt Thomas segment and not give a shout out to Alex. So shout oh, out. Uh, listen, that is the path. That is the path. You hire <laughs> Alex Wong as your
1: agent. <laughs> uh without telling anybody and then um yeah he can just get up here like Kendrick Perkins does for LeBron James and just uh you know spews propaganda like we've already been doing that for free um uh, sign us up anyway keep on
0: yeah man uh so yeah I feel like with Pat McCaw again I I, I think his window is the fact that again Terrence Davis likes to play off ball mm. so If if you have some of those bench units where he's able to run it, um, not that not that he's a great playmaker in himself, but you know we saw at times where Nick Nurse just sort of had him uh, be that initial ball handler and just just to get the get the play going. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think I think that's where he sort of fits in. And then Nick loves him, man, so he's going to be back, Uh, and he's going to get minutes. Uh, defensively, he's solid. Uh, again, that's why, you know, when people look at why wasn't Terrence playing more during the regular season, why was Patrick McCaw getting these minutes? Um, Nick Nurse just sets a standard of, Hey, this is where you have to be defensively and nothing is handed to you. Right. Because, uh, and, and we saw, frankly, uh, Michael Malone, uh, till he, till he didn't have a choice in the playoffs, like through the regular season, he wasn't willing to give MPJ minutes. Yep. Because it's sort of setting that precedent, right? Like mm-hmm. if you if you tell a player early on in their career that, hey, you can be this bad defensively and I'm still gonna give you minutes, yeah, then then nothing's really gonna drive them to get better on that end. Now that's, yeah. that's pretty much how
1: most of the Raptors prospects from like I don't know, up until Messiah came here. Like that's how all of them failed. Like yeah. Chris Bosch, Andrea, Terrence Davis, or Terrence Ross, like yeah, a, a whole bunch of them. I mean, some of those guys are just weren't good, like Joey Graham. But, like... Damar. Damar. I was going to say, yeah, that's that's the biggest example right there. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. For sure.
0: So, yeah, I, I think that's something that, you know, Terrence will look at as well and say, hey, okay, that's my competition uh, that I got to show that I can at least be on that level defensively. And then and then it's a no-brainer, right? Mm, yeah, so exactly. obviously, Terrence gives you way more on the other end. Yeah
1: but I still I I don't know. I I still don't mind McCaw, man. As a guy who can kind of play a a, a basically a Marcus All game but in the backcourt, it is still valuable. I think it's it's just harder to to do because you really have to be great defensively. I don't I don't think he's great defensively. He pressures the ball a little bit, but um I don't know. I'm interested to see what McCaw does next year. I mean, obviously he's going to be in the
0: rotation cuz Nick's going to be coaching. Uh, so that's the thing, right? It's like I like having him as an option on the roster. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I just don't like the fact that him being on the roster instantly means that he's going to be a rotation piece playing 20 plus minutes a game. Like right. there there was a point in the season where he was averaging the same number of minutes as Serge Ibaka. And it was yeah. like <laughs> yeah, no that's true man.
1: He's like a he's he's like a I don't know, he's like a fringe condiment that people put everywhere. Like you know, I like how people put ketchup on everything, like that's I have no issues with ketchup specifically, but if you're going to put ketchup on absolutely everything then, you know, Something's wrong with you. Or even Sriracha, actually. People got too hyped about Sriracha. Look, I want to support Asians, but Sriracha's not that good, man. Come on. <laughs> the way some of y'all be eating Sriracha is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> All right? So Papacar is like Sriracha in that sense. Um Two more positions, a small forward and center. Small forward, they don't really have a lot of depth to small forward. I mean, I think OG obviously pro- provides you with that starting caliber player. I think he showed enough in the playoffs. I think the Raptors really believe in him. Masai has spoken really uh, positively and glowingly about OG, his his Nigerian son, but um he's extension eligible. I think realistically we're going to keep OG moving forward. Uh my only real question is does OG provide enough offense at the position um and if if not then are you going to have to look for it from elsewhere in the in, in the lineup. So sort of I'm curious to hear your thoughts on OG's, like, offensive ceiling moving forward, because I think that is kind of important. I think defensively he's going to play, he's going to start. It's pretty clear. But, um, yeah, offensively, you know?
0: Yeah, offensively, I've said this uh, now a few times uh, during the playoffs and after. I don't know what you think, where I think before the bubble, I thought his ceiling was more a Trevor Ariza type. mm And after the bubble, just seeing how much his handle improved, um, just seeing him take take advantage of of post-up situations and getting the ball inside, uh, his finishing could still be better uh, in terms of just going up the first time, that type of thing. Um, But the power he's able to show there, I almost view his offensive ceiling now more like a run Artest. test. Mm. And, uh, you know, if he can get to that point, there were a couple of times he was able to knock down that mid-range J as well. Yeah, and so if that if those elements are added to his game, where you know maybe he doesn't quite hit the ceiling of our test, like an all star, you know, averaging pretty much twenty points a game, but I think he can. I I think he can be a solid offensive piece, and uh, I would like to, in the same way, uh, the Raptors just explored what Pascal could be
2: Mm
0: -hmm. last year, and they will do it again this coming year, I I want this to be that kind of year for OG. Right. Let's sort of give him the keys, uh, not to the whole offense, just, you know, when those opportunities present to himself, it's like, hey, man, go to work, go do your thing. Like, you know, I I thought it was really cool. I don't know if you remember this from the Celtics series, but there was one moment where OG got the ball uh, at the top of the arc and he was calling Mark to set a screen.
2: Mm.
0: And Mark just looked at him, and he was like, "Go, yeah." And then OG just took. I I, I don't know if it was uh, if if it was Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. but you got a bucket out of it. And those are the type of things where I'd like to see. Uh, I, I'd like to see that happen more often this upcoming season, where it's like he's got the ball. It's like show confidence in him to mm-hmm. go uh, create a bucket for himself. Because I don't even think he's like. The selfish type, where you know he's just going to be one-track minded, going to the basket, right? Like I think there were times where even with that spin move, if if, he, if that second body came over, he was dishing it back out.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, uh,
0: so I like the offensive elements of his game, um, and I'd be I'd be very open to you know exploring as much as I can this coming season.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be a big kind of like prove it kind of year for OG anyway, um, because if they don't hammer out that extension, which um, for cap reasons, they might not do it yeah, you know, uh, more than sort of how they believe in OG. Uh, if they don't do that, then it's a big prove it year for OG in the sense that, you know, it's it's a contract year and it's it's in the Raptors' best interest to kind of figure out what they have with OG in the first place, right? And given that chance to use more of the offense, uh, we saw him being used as a screener which was interesting. You don't really see that as much, but Nick Nurse has talked about that He wants to see OG handling and setting in the in the pick and roll setting. So I think there's growth there. Again, he's one of the youngest guys on the roster. There's not a real backup small forward I'm comfortable with, I guess, on the team. Um, you know, you, I guess you have Stanley there. You have, I, I, you know, to me, I don't think Rondé's coming back. I just feel like Rondé could get Bubble Stanley, ready. bro. Bubble Stanley. Bubble Stanley, baby. Yeah. Um, Hitting game winners, you know, but uh <laughs> you know, maybe Paul Watson. But I, I realistically, I don't think they're gonna bring in too much small forward help um uh, this year. I think uh yeah. And then so really the center position, then so he got Mark and Serge, obviously. Um, even if they are re-signed, their short term solutions. Um and then you know, I don't I don't want to ask you about Mark and Serge because everyone's gonna ask about that. Uh what do you think about Boucher as a long term piece? Is he long term? Backup, long-term starter. Actually, I, mean, I don't know what a long-term backup even is, actually, to be honest. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. But Long-term backup? That's Reggie Evans, no?
2: <laughs>
1: oh, I, got, I used to get so hyped when Reggie Evans got like 20 <laughs> rebounds for the Raptors. I'm like, I don't care. We're down 25. Reggie Evans has 25 rebounds. 10 of, <laughs> ten of them are offensive rebounds on his own misses.
0: <laughs> oh, man, how far
1: we've come. But bro, I was watching Reggie Evans on CBC on a on a Sunday where the Raptors would be up in the first half and then blow the lead in the second half.
0: CBC, some- yeah, man,
1: that, that was wild. No, that's, yeah, that, that's when uh, that's when Matt Devlin said uh,
0: Punjabi. Yep. That's- yeah. that's <laughs> Yeah, Peja <laughs> Punjabi.
1: What a moment! Uh, what a, a legend, man! A legend. Shout out, Parmenter. <laughs> My good friend Parminder. <laughs>
2: you know, shout out
1: Leo Rounds for being like, come oh, eh? on, That's because you have to, as the as the color commentator there, you have to follow up, man. <laughs> you can't just be laughing, right? You gotta you gotta yeah. you gotta be professional. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah, Boucher, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the question is, is he open to being a long term sort of backup option? Mm-hmm. um and what and i mean specifically is he open to being a long term third string cuz i don't know if he's still good enough to be a legitimate backup option and maybe for like on a playoff team probably not but i think he showed
1: enough in limited minutes this year that like, he can do that elsewhere man
0: like he So can, that's exactly what I mean. So that's exactly yeah. what I mean. Is it if you if you want to be a backup option on a mediocre to bad team, Mm -hmm. then you know, your long-term outlook with the Raptors isn't looking great. Right. Right. But if you know you want to be a part of this organization and continue and you know not know where your minutes will come from and know that you're really gonna play only if there's an injury, then this is the place for you. But if 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 you're looking for more minutes, which I think he has every right to, Mm-hmm. Uh, just to just for himself to explore what he can be as a backup big, and I think uh, there's enough teams in the league who would have been enticed by what he was able to do this season to give him that opportunity, and say, you know, here is, you know, eighteen, eighteen twenty minutes a game. Let's see what you can do, and go from there. Uh, I, I definitely think he should pursue that option. I don't think the Raptors should give him that option.
1: Mm. I mean, look, as with all things Boucher, I'm just going to refrain from commenting, but uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to agree with what you said. Um, okay, so then long-term solutions, you know, this is where the Raptors have, I think, the least long-term viability here uh, because I literally, I don't know if any of those three centers are going to be on the roster next year. And then yeah. if, if you look at the, the pipeline, uh, Dewan Hernandez, you know, pretty much missed all of the year uh, rehabbing. To me, he's not even physically big enough to play center, I don't think. Or if he is, he's not going to be defensively solid. We're just going to hurt the Raptors. So I, I have no idea. There's this is a complete question mark. They need to probably bring back one of those three centers, if not two of those three centers. Yeah. And if they don't, then they need to trade for somebody or sign somebody because, like, bro, we, we it's it's barren.
2: Miles
0: Turner, baby. <laughs> Miles, okay, all right, Miles Turner. There we go. We already discussed it. So no, I mean, I think I still think you know, even though the Lakers run has shown the value of the big again. And I mean, let's face it. So, I
1: mean, they've shown the value of Anthony freaking Davis. Yeah. Uh, if you can get bigs like Anthony Davis, percent. <laughs> give me five Anthony Davis's
0: please. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you, you, even with those performances, I think there's still enough value to be found on mm-hmm. like minimum contracts where you kind of just take a flyer. And right. No. And, Again, you know, nothing would change my approach to this offseason in terms of looking at it as a stopgap year Mm. where nothing you do, you know, gets in the way of 2021 and the plans that you've... Because you've done so much to this point to set up the books. Yeah, yeah. you don't just give that up, man. Exactly. So you're not going to throw it away at this point. So whether it's, you know, a minimum contract to bring back Bismarck Biombo. For year and you just roll with that and you know let it just be a fun season although bismack without the fans would be a shame yeah it would, really would be man. you'd just be screaming to nobody
1: <laughs> <laughs> no no one's collectively groaning when he misses free
0: throws or breaking yeah. layups yeah yeah so yeah i i think at the center position if you can't let's face it mark mark you know mm. even though nothing's confirmed yet the, yeah it seems to be lining up that he's gonna move on. I yeah. wouldn't rule it out. What do you I think of the, the
1: January transfer window for Marcus <laughs> All. We're gonna get. We're not gonna confirm it until Fabrizio uh, Romano tweets it out on Twitter.
0: <laughs> Bro, I'll take I'll take him over Harry Maguire any day right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, man. Yeah.
1: yeah, either I mean. This is not the time for Liverpool to, to gloat about defenses. We've been we've been kind of horrid on that front too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's bad, man. It's bad. Yeah. Before we end the podcast, man, you want to have a little quick uh, EPL chat? What's going on, man? Of course, man. Of course. Yeah. So you're United. Yeah. Uh, rumors are they're in talks maybe to replace Ollie. Uh, You know, there's a certain. Uh, former Spurs manager out there that you know maybe has been linked to United in the past may still be out of a job right now and may join you guys. Uh obviously that's Mauricio Pochettino. What do you what do you think there? Would, would that be an upgrade for you guys? Like what do you guys need, man? Cuz United looks kind of weird right now to be honest. They you guys have been looking weird for the last
0: couple of years, let's be real. I mean, we definitely need uh central defenders. I think the okay. way you build, So build. so hold on.
1: Paying 80 million pounds for uh Harry
0: Maguire wasn't enough, huh? I mean, that's the thing though, it's not about how much we're paying, it's who we're paying. Mm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Like people people criticized the money that was paid for Virgil Van Dyke when when that transfer happened.
2: Yeah. Saying,
0: oh man, this is the most money I ever paid for a center back and this and that. No one's complaining now. No. So it's just about finding the right guy. And you know, I think I think, you know, Lindelof is like a a backup secondary center back. Yeah, he's good yeah. enough to play on the team but just not start every week. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And so yeah, we, we we got a lot of holes to fill. I'm not too mad at the transfer window. Like if 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 they had center backs in mind mm. that they that they just couldn't get anywhere near in terms of evaluation, then it is what it is.
1: Um were you guys even linked to any though? Like like no, you know, not like really. Ruben Diaz, like oh I yeah, mean, like it felt like City was trying to buy one for, you know, the whole summer, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think that's the frustrating part that all the links seem to be the wingers and forwards, and it's like there is yeah. this clear deficiency at the back. Yeah, I was there not a single rumor about a centre back? So that part of it was frustrating. So, yeah, I think Ole tactically, you can see there's a ceiling. Okay. Um, I almost, but but that's the thing. I almost view him like a Dwayne Casey, mm. where it's like. Roll the ball I, out there. Let the talent decide it. I think I think he's the right man for right now. Because okay. this team is not good enough to get to that level. Mm. And I don't know when that point is going to come for United where they're willing to really shell out for a manager. Because they half did that with Van Gaal. They half did that with Jose. Yeah, Again, they've half done it with Solskjaer. So... Yeah, I think the, the biggest problem is is Ed Woodward, man. <laughs> like you yeah. can you can't have a businessman making football decisions. That's the biggest problem. Get a football director, then mm-hmm. then I'll start to believe that they're serious about winning the title again.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a management restructuring kind of thing. Yeah. Guys. I I agree, man. Um, but you know, you guys have a lot of attacking talent. Like
0: I wouldn't be too down on you guys, just right? I think Bruno was a good signing. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, I th- I think we've done enough to just compete for a top 4 spot again. Right? Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, no, I mean the the lack of ambition is, you know, a, a little jarring. Um, so what? Alex, tell us he's going to replace Luke Shaw. What's going on there?
0: Yeah, tell us looks like he'll be on the left, and then I think Kabani will give co- good competition to Martial.
1: Yeah, why do you guys have this this habit of just signing random strikers that are old? <laughs> this has happened a couple of times. Falcao, you know, uh, Ibra. I thought Ibra actually worked out okay. Ibra, Ibra played great.
0: Yeah. He, he just thought well. that he got injured. Yeah. Yeah. Because,
1: yeah. and he came back from it now, man. Shout out to Ibra, man. Because this man can't even, he can't, he's really not moving that well at all at thir, age 38. But no, that's the real eight, year 17,
0: hashtag year 17.
1: Because he's, he's,
0: he's carrying AC Milan right now. This this man got COVID and said COVID got Zlatan. Like. <laughs> yeah. You know, we did make jokes when Trump said that, but uh, <laughs> when Zlatan said it, we were, we were like, no, this is great. <laughs> uh, so yeah I think but I think Cavani is good for this group yeah, yeah. just because oh. it's so young right and yeah, he yeah. has so much experience that he will help them develop
1: bro and he's like a really ideal option because he's okay his finishing I, I admittedly is a little bit off sometimes I feels like yeah. he's a little wasteful but good in the air he's physical enough to play in the prem for sure and he's still young enough where he can make an impact I, I didn't hate that sign I don't know why people hate I guess people wanted Jaden Sancho so bad and they're like oh wow here's a 32-year-old striker, totally yeah, different, but...
0: I, I definitely think that's it. It's like everyone wanted Sancho, and it's like, where did Cavani come from? Yeah.
1: No, but seriously, where did he come from, though, bro? Because it was like, I randomly, out of nowhere. They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're just bringing him in. Um What do you think of the prim- uh otherwise? Because it's... Right now, it's, it's like a record amount of scoring. I, I was listening to a podcast. I think uh, they said, this is the most goals... Uh, score through, I think, what, week three, week four, um, since, like, the 1930s? Like, there's just between all the penalties being assigned and, of course, like, okay, why do you think the defenses are so bad across the league? Because you're looking at cities looking bad defensively. Liverpool was great defensively last year, looking really shaky defensively this year. United is shaky defensively. Chelsea looking shaky defensively. Um, why do you think defense is at such a premium right now,
0: man? I think... To some extent, the game has sort of lost its way. uh, What do you mean, defensively? Where you're with all the penalties that have been given, yeah, you've basically told defenders that anything in the box, yeah, is pretty much going to be called, like any small violation. Mm -hmm. And so, especially with the handball stuff, like when defenders can't run in a normal motion like that's what they're getting handled Yo, but you
1: can't and, jump like how are you just yeah. defend a set piece if you can't jump
0: exactly like right? look, look at the look. eric dyer
1: handball that that's ridiculous yeah, yeah
0: yeah like that's the thing right like they're saying that's an unnatural motion no when you're jumping up and you're like you trying use to your arms up, to propel yourself yeah, that yeah. is a natural position yeah so i don't understand where the disconnect is in terms of them not understanding that mm-hmm. and so i think there are more defenders that are more wary of that. And so when, when, you're, when you're always defending scared, I think it's just going to make the situation worse. Yeah. And so until that gets sorted, I, I feel like this is how it is. And then I think there there is something to, like, again, now every game being like a pickup game, right? Yeah, yeah. There's the no intensity fans. is
1: just weird, man. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's just not as locked in. Um, yeah. And I honestly think that some of the teams that are coming up right now, are just like really different. I think over time, I think Everton's going to cool off a little bit. Like they're starting off really hot.
0: Lead is super exciting. Le- yeah,
1: Leeds. I mean, Leeds is coming in with the new energy. Like it feels like what Norwich try to do, but like way better. Yeah. Um. So they're they're exciting, but I think the teams will adjust to them a little bit because they're a little bit new. And I think sim- similarly for Aston Villa too. I mean, like they were there last year. I think what they f- they fought and fought off regu- uh, relegation and stuff like that. But they made some good signings and. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This for is for the Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool though, man. Yeah. the The high has got to stop, man. I can't, I, I, I can't see all these guys at like, <laughs>
2: like you can't like do it 40,
1: 40 yards away from the net, man. Like it's just too many transition breaks because especially yeah. with the, we we always have our wing backs all the way up to fetch too. Like it's it's just asking a lot, you know. Yeah,
0: but yeah.
1: Fun season though, man.
0: Prem's always I mean, interesting. Always a lot interesting, of goals, man. There's a lot of goals. it's a lot of penalties. Mm.
1: Uh, it's it's going to be interesting, man. It's,
0: it's a different game. It's a
1: whole new game. As Issa <laughs> Ray, as, as <laughs> Ray tells us 25 times per broadcast. We brought it back, baby. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, v, uh, appreciate you for coming on as always. Uh, what do you got going on? What do you got to plug? What's going on, man? I know you got a secret project in the works. I don't know if you want to plug that yet, but. Uh, not yet.
0: Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. All right. Uh, but um, I'm doing a couple things for Complex. Yep. One is, one is almost like a, you know, lessons we learned about the Raptors, the uh, over the course of the bubble, okay. and it's not just, and it's not just in terms of what the Raptors did, right? In terms of what other teams did. Uh, so I'll have that coming soon, and then I'll have like a who's uh, who's staying index mm. coming out after that. You can check that all out on Complex. Besides that. Um, yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter at VivekMJaco. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be other things coming.
1: Cricket, tennis. Cricket, tennis. Bro, you gotta, ex- you gotta expand even more, man. I want to, I want to see you out here with the uh, ping pong, uh, ping pong. ping pong takes, you know? I don't know. No.
0: That's not gonna happen.
1: No? Uh, ping pong is not
0: gonna happen.
2: Come
1: on, bro. Expand <laughs> to the Asian audience, man. <laughs>
0: maybe badminton <laughs> <laughs> oh man even i can't even get in that much into badminton man <laughs> no nah, I, th- I think i'm good man
1: yeah you're, you're saturated bro you're the only one i know that watches every single product that the zone puts out man how <laughs> you're <laughs> <laughs> for watching formula one i'm probably <laughs> <laughs> uh, no nah, you're, you're a real sickle man but no nah, i appreciate you coming on as always and um yeah listeners i'll be back with more of the uh finalist reaction podcasts and uh looking forward to making more content through uh the off seasons for the raptors man it should be uh, not that busy of a summer but en- enough interesting things going on so look out for that so thanks everyone for listening and uh, i'll be back next week
0: selling a little or a lot So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.